You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 876 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday, and uh, if you're listening to this, you may know already, but this is a two-part episode. This is part one you're listening to right now. Part two is also available at episode 877, and both feature myself and Tyler Jones, good friend of the program. Uh, I would say back by popular demand. People always love when Tyler's on the podcast. We always have a good time. We talked in extensive fashion on Thursday evening, so I split it into two parts. The first part is about the offseason and the frenzy that was, and the free agency stuff, the draft stuff, etc. And it starts off with a bit of a rant from Tyler on John Collins, the way that discussion all broke down in typical fashion. People will definitely enjoy that from Tyler at the top of this podcast. And then episode two, which is again available right now, talks more about the season, looking ahead, the rotation, some projections for the Hawks, where Tyler thinks the Hawks are going to be, a little bit of my own opinions on that stuff as well. So a fun two-parter to go into the weekend for your Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe even Monday listening. Hopefully you guys enjoy um, this two-part podcast. I want to remind you that earlier in the, earlier this week, we had Eric Horn of The Athletic on the podcast talking about Danilo Gallinari. We also had Harrison Fagan on Rajon Rondo. And tons of audio the last two shows, including some bonus podcast audio on Wednesday afternoon. So plenty to catch up on in the archive. Please subscribe to the podcast. Do all that fun stuff as well. Um, After a quick break, we will come back with Tower Jones. And uh, a lot of fun to be had there. So hold on. We'll hear from our sponsors now. We'll be right back with myself and Tower Jones. I am joined now by fan favorite, legend of the podcast, vocal Hawks fan, Tower Jones is here. Hello, sir. What's going on, Brad? Good to be back on again. Um, so I, I guess the Hawks didn't do much. You know, we didn't miss anything. Yeah, I didn't it's, miss it's, anything. Been, it's been really slow recently for the Hawks. Uh, you and I did not go too long since we talked last on this podcast, but obviously in that time, much has changed. You and I have talked plenty offline, but I figure we have, we were due for one of these before the season starts, and uh, we're getting very close. The Hawks play a preseason game at home, as we record this in eight days, so that is insane. Like I knew, I mean, they weren't playing when they said quick turnaround because that, like, this team came to, together last week. Not even. I mean, they, they haven't even. even. They haven't had a practice yet. They're only yeah. in individual workouts until this weekend. Is the first time they could, they could actually have a team. Basically, they will have had less than a week of team practice before they play a game. Granted, the game, the game doesn't count. But uh, they're they're playing a game in front of at least the media, no fans, but media and like full infrastructure, and uh, that's a week from now. So, yeah, I'm excited for the snap judgments because that is whew, it's been a lot of snap. There was a lot of snap ju- judgments while I was away from <laughs> draft night to free agency. Just a lot of people speculating, just to speculate, just to. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess we, we can get into it a bit, but, like, I found the John Collins stuff to be so weird, Brad, in the sense that it was just an an outpour of people saying, well, I guess the Hawks have to trade John Collins because they signed a 32-year-old power forward. Like, 
that's what and and they drafted a Kongu and I'm like, you know, it's a bit early for all of that. I would imagine if John Collins didn't expect to be on the team long term, he wouldn't be in the Hawks facility every day. Like I feel like they have a good idea what both sides want. Like they, it's not like it's not like he's gone zero dark thirty on the team, right? I mean, he was the first. He, was was he not the first person on media day? I'm, I, I don't know. I just feel like it was it was a lot of rush. It was a lot of rush to judgments in regards to him, in regards to what the team is going to look like and what they're going to do, and like. It was just speculation of of bad, off no information. It, that was the thing. There was just, it was a dearth of information because nobody bothered to ask the right people. Like to me, I'm like, I, and, and I don't know. Maybe this is me harking back to the old, you know, back for the old days. But like, it used to be national guys used to ask local media and reporter types before they stated something but now it's just like everybody it's such a rush to get get the content out now where it's like oh we got to say this man i i mean i i listened to the pod with uh ben ladner like after um ben ladner and i I forget his co-host name um john you know yeah yeah john right after uh you know literally right after you know the first day and, and he was just like they have to trade john collins and I was like, based on what? Why do they? <laughs> I, I never understood the why they had to trade John. It's, I don't know. It, it was just a lot, like down to Gallinari's contract. We find out later the third year is non guaranteed. So it's just a two year deal with a $5 million signing bonus, basically. Like, I. I don't know, man. It's just I, I just wish people would just take a breath when things happen. No way. And that, that's not allowed. You can't have. Uh... I know. I know that's not allowed. I know that's not. I mean, and <laughs> it's not. It, and you know, it's not the Coles' fault. Like that's his job. Like if he wants to, if he wants to be in the game, like that's, you know, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to say. Zach Lowe has to tweet that you know all eyes are on John Collins. You know, well, it's it's a really natural, and you know, first I, I agree with you uh, on all of this, pretty much. It's a really natural thing. I mean, I agree with you, and I said as much on the podcast that night. I said, "Look, the Hawks don't have to trade John Collins; they don't have any urgency to do this." And I also understand. I think you do too, on some level, like why it happened, like why the discussion happened. It doesn't mean that it was the correct discussion or that it was a little bit overblown because it, it was overblown. But Brad, everybody was like, I'm hearing from all the everybody was just like, well, guess John Collins is gone. And yeah, I'm I mean, like, that, that was silly. I mean, based that, that's the on thing. what? Right. And that ba- was the I just wanted to know based on. No, no, because this this annoys me. John Collins has been a staple for the Hawks since they started to rebuild. Like he's been the one guy and like this is me being a fan here. He's been the one guy. Right. Consistently plays hard no matter the score. And damn it, that matters, right? <laughs> it does. That should matter. He plays that hard. That matters. That matters to me. That matters to fans. The, the fans of the team that actually watches every game. Like, I know the Hawks don't have this big fan base. Everybody just wants to rush to trade John for a name now. But I'm like, this is me as a fan speaker. I'm like, 
John is a good basketball player. He's young. He's productive. They're not going to beyond all beyond my fan side. Like they're not going to trade him now. And they're not going to trade him. If right. they were going to trade him, they're going to trade him on draft day. Exactly. They had made the decision. Like, and this is where, and this is where it's like, okay, like where we get more information. You know, the Gallinari deal was basically done a week before, or, or they had a general idea they were going to get Gallinari, and then thirty six hours before the draft, they settled on drafting a Kongwu, and we heard nothing, not a peep. Of a John Collins rumor, yeah, nothing. I mean, no, no, no shot. They weren't. Sh- they're not. Act- Is he available? Probably. Yeah, I mean, Are listen. I, I, I will. I will tell you. You hear things like, I think he is available, but people always and you and you you just you just made this point too. People think available means shopping, and it's not the same thing. Available right. available means basically anybody on the roster other than Trey Young is available. Like, Brad, that's, what, that's Hawks, how that works. The Hawks and the Pelicans had talks around trading the six-pick Herder and Deadman for Drew Holiday. Oh, yeah. There was, that was not that, that, an that offer. That was not an offer. They had a discussion. Right. That was made clear in the Bleacher Report piece in regards to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks free agency. But, like, I do this all the time. Not a, it's really important to parse out what is being reported. And I try to do that on the podcast as much as I can. It happened a lot. A lot of the fake rumor stuff that happened before the draft, I made it a point to dissect the language of these things. And most of these reporters, especially good ones are saying things for a reason, the way they are saying them. And no one still, no one has reported that the Hawks are shopping John Collins, like actively shopping him being available. I think is true. I've heard that everyone's kind of heard that. Like, you can call on John Collins, and, not, and the Hawks aren't going to hang up the phone. But that isn't the same thing as the front office deciding that they have to trade him, which is which is the point you're making, and I totally agree with you. And as soon as he didn't get traded on, on, on the night of the draft, it's hard to trade him. I know Russell Westbrook just got traded for John Wall. I, I get it. Most of the time, like, you, it's really hard to make a trade on, like, the eve of training camp, and it's doubly hard if you're John Collins and you're making $4 million this year, because now the Hawks don't have cap space anymore. The Hawks, it, it was, it was like, it, it was, it'd be a lot easier for the Hawks to make a trade of any kind before they announced all these signings. Now though, they don't have cap space and John Collins makes $4 million a year. How many guys in the league would you trade John Collins for that make $4 million a year? There's the list is very, the, 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 the list is very small and the yeah. guys you and the, and the, and the guys you can get, you're not getting. And the, the other thing, the natural part, and listen, I'm not saying it's impossible that he gets traded. Don't get me wrong. It could happen. I don't think it will at this point until maybe later if they, if they do it at all. But even if they wanted to do it now, the only way, really, in my mind, that I can see them trading John Collins is for, this, is for some sort of future-facing like picks package. And with all of what the Hawks just did to announce boldly and repeatedly that they're trying to win right now, you cannot turn around and trade your second best player for picks. Exactly, Brad. I think this was my biggest. This is my biggest thing. John Collins has been the second best basketball player on the team. He probably still is the second. I know Gallinari is good. Capello is good. Bogdan is a good basketball player. But John Collins has shown to dominate month long stretches of the NBA schedule. 
Like he has done it two seasons in a row now. Like I, I just don't think they're going to. And like this is my thing. Why would the Hawks? I. Why would the Hawks trade somebody as good as John Collins, without even trying to see if it can work? with him playing alongside good basketball players. If it comes out that Collins and Capella just don't work, Gallinari and Collins don't work, guess what? They can still trade Collins for good value. Exactly. And that you was, know? I mean, you, you, it's not you, the you know end this. Of the world, but you, I, th- this happened before. Like, when they when they got Capella, there was a mini version of this, nationally Well, especially. that's because everybody thought Collins is a center. Right, which is fine. And that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. But, you know, it's... To not go crazy on this, I just feel like I'm with you. They it was overblown. I, I said as much. I get the thinking, and he's but, but not necessarily just, like the clear know, number. Like he's what, not. Like I want to say one thing that you just said. He necessarily. I, I can see people thinking that he's not the clear number two anymore. I think he's still the second best player on the team. But I get the thought that maybe he isn't the, the clear number two anymore. But regardless, he's really good. He's really young, and at worst. Even with no extension, they have match rights on him a year from now. So there's no like mandate that you have to do it. I think that, yeah, to your point just now, if you get to the deadline this year and it's not working the way you wanted to, and the best way you think is to trade John Collins, you know, I, I get that. I, I know it won't go over well if they end up doing that. And, you know, to your point earlier, again, the fan base likes John for a lot of reasons. He's a really charismatic, good guy, in my experience. He also plays hard, like you said, and he's just really good. If they decide to trade him in February or March, I'm not going to kill them for looking to trade him. I mean, if the package is bad, then I'll say the package is bad. But I, I agree with you now. Like they, they just do not have to do that. They never did. And it just became... It's a very easy talking point. To pe- for people to make and it became too big of a thing and look I mean we had to explore it I had to talk about it because it was such a big deal people were asking me I mean before all that like to wh- whatever you think about just, this Hawks fans immediately thing, asking me Hawks fans just, were immediately like what how does this work and I'm like well listen death is not a bad thing and we're gonna, we're gonna you and I are gonna talk about the season later on but there's this it goes back to something, something I've been saying forever a lot of discourse is talking about starting lineups and five man units and like depth is like against the, it's like against the law. <laughs> like you can't have depth and it's like, I get the fits. Not great. I said the fits not great in a lot of ways, but it's okay to have good players. But do we hold on? First of all, I, I, I even want to challenge that. We can get back to, to the fit, not being great. Like I, I, how do we know the fits? Not great. Well, I, I'm with you. I like a second on the floor, but yeah. I, I want to get to that. I, I just want to make this point about, about John. Brad, what is the list of good young basketball players that have been traded a year before restricted free agency? Like productive, like John Collins. Productive. It doesn't. Not, it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't. I, I think. I feel like the last, time, like the first time, and maybe the last time it's ever happened was with Porzingis, with the Knicks, and that was a weird one because he was hurt and he wanted out, and and John, to no, at least to my knowledge, has never wanted out. So. And, and so, like, to me, I'm going to be honest. It's not like people just counting wrestlers' money. They're like, they don't want to pay. What? But, you <laughs> know, a little bit of that, maybe, yeah. But is, is it just, is it that? Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the nationals, national media's drive for John to be traded 
based on what? Like, I, I'm like, teams don't trade young, productive basketball players before restrictor free agency. Like, they just don't do that. Like, no, you're right. Th- this is it's one of the, it's one of it's one of the things that drives me crazy constantly. If John Collins was a lottery pick, are we even having this discussion? I'm so glad you said that. I'm Brad, so are glad we you said even that. having this discussion? No. He's literally people want to trade him because he's the he was the goddamn 19th pick <laughs> because 18 other teams because the Indian like I re- fully I fully and, agree I fully are agree they with serious you right now. Fully agree with you. They, By the way, he's a he's a bad basketball like. Idea one, there are people that think he's a bad basketball player. But they, well, I, well, that's the other part. I mean, they they don't it's, think it's, too, it's too I understand. They're <laughs> they're 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 loons that don't watch actual basketball. They look at they look at spreadsheet. They look at the synergy data. They look at points per possession on defense. They look at pick and roll defense. They look at all this, and none of them ever look at the goddamn age. He's twenty three, Brad. Twenty three. 2010, two seasons in a row, 65% true shooting. I am absolutely incensed at the idea that the Hawks have to trade somebody <laughs> that good, that young, who makes $4 million a season, Brad. He makes $4 million. If he made $8 million, are we even having this discussion because he no. was drafted in the lottery? No. Are we having this conversation? No. no. no That's we're all not. I want to say. Apparently, the Hawks are being penalized. Because they have to trade, they have to trade John below market value. Because nobody was giving up the offers at the deadline. We heard what the offer was. You want to trade John Collins for Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, and a future first round draft pick? Is that is that what you wanted? Is that what people wanted? Well, to well no. It, honestly, going back to what, number one, I agree with you. I just said that madness. Nobody this is, offered this is anything. Not a... Nobody offered anything. <laughs> this did is I not... hear? Did I hear the Warriors offer their first round picks for John Collins? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. So why didn't they do that? Because they because because apparently nobody wants to pay good young basketball players. It, it is a com- weren't it, drafting it's, the lottery. It's a combination. But if you are drafting the lottery, or if you you are the big time five star recruit who went to Duke or Kansas, oh shit, yeah, hell yeah, we'll pay you whatever. We'll pay you whatever to keep you, man, because we're gonna bet on you getting better. Why? Why is John Collins ceiling, ceiling capped? I, I don't understand. Like, I, it drives me insane. People had nine months to watch a single goddamn game with that boy play. Single game. One game. Just watch one yep. where he puts up big numbers. You think, and, I, you know, me and you, we go, like, I'm, I'm yelling at the rooftop. They don't run plays for him. They don't. They don't run sets for him. The offense ain't built around him. He gets his points on his own because he works hard because he knows how to play passing lanes on offense. He knows how to find the scenes to get open. And it's like, I'm, I, I just found it like, I find it so baffling. If he was drafted on another team, we don't have this conversation, but apparently you Trey young and John Collins just don't work. Even though that combination is the only thing that has kept the Hawks from being an absolute embarrassment. For these past three years, the only thing Trey Young and John Collins—that's it. Everybody else, and this this gets something. Why I'm really high on the Hawks this season. <laughs> they haven't had good basketball. Players, that's a great turn. That, 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 that was that was an A plus transition, by the way. That was a professional quality 
transition and I we're gonna get to that I promise uh, and I, I want to thank you for the rant I, I knew I knew you were gonna be ready I didn't know what it was gonna be out of the box but I knew something was gonna be happening that would be gold and that was it um it's funny well, I, I mean but these people make me sound like a dumb fanboy I'm like I'm 28 years old I'm old enough to remember a time where good basketball players good young basketball players who you draft you just paid them what they got and restricted free agent. You just matched like everybody else. I guess because people are so scared that the money's gone up that, oh, he's not he's not a $27 million player. What are you talking well, about? That's, he's that's only a comes, $23 yeah. million dollar player, Brad. That $4 million is huge. <laughs> you could get you could you could get multiple Tony Snells for that. $4 million. Hey, shout to Tony Snell. Too many, too many cap, too many cap. Like, I, it's just, it's just too much. I'm like, the, it, Travis Slank's job is, Travis Slank's job is to get as much talent on the Hawks as possible. This is the most talented Hawks team, team the Hawks have had, probably over a decade. It's uh, yeah, I mean pure pure like, talent. You're talking pure talent, about yeah, pure talent. Not, pure talent. Not it's got to be back to that later, but this is yeah. a. This is an insanely talented team. It is. Um, all right, let's let's stop there for a second. Let's take a quick break, hear from the sponsors. We'll come back, talk about um, the additions since we're talking about talent and uh, all kinds of stuff. So hold on tight. We'll be right back. All right, Tyler. Uh, we're talking about the talented roster. It's a good time. I want to sort of recap quickly um, what they've done. Everyone knows, everyone knows, everyone knows what they've done, but I want to get your thoughts on the moves, and then in part two of the show, we'll talk about like what the team looks like. But you know, we we talked about Collins already. But where are you on Gallinari as a player? Like, we don't have to talk about fit right now necessarily, but just the contract. I mean, it's funny. Even I, like, no one had that deal being non guaranteed until like two, three days later. I recorded a podcast with Eric Horn, who covers the Thunder. And knew what was going on, and neither of us had heard anything about the, about the deal being non guaranteed. And I had to run the podcast, even though we had already recorded it before that came out. So that was a World Cup secret and a good thing for the Hawks. But regardless, like, what was your reaction beyond the Collins stuff to just adding Gallinari? And then we'll get into Bogdanovich and everybody else. Shooting, shooting, one of the best shooters in the NBA, great offensive talent, up like changes the the changes what the Hawks can do offensively. And I, I was one of the only I was like, man, that's a great fit next to Collins, but then it I, I, I guess <laughs> I guess it just it just can't work. So I, I don't know why I thought that. Okay, okay, let's uh, let me apologize. Let's, let's stop there. Let me apologize. Let's stop like, there. I, I don't I don't, I don't think it's can't a great work. fit. I don't think it's a great fit. But the re I I also don't I always say that because I don't think they could play defense together. But offensively it's a great fit. Like great fit. And also Gallinari is not, is the guy who, as we've seen now, they've planned to bring off the bench, and I'm going to lose a bet to you on that. I'll pay up at some point, um, post pandemic with a with a meal on me, but it fits better now that I know that. But also, the defense is not that big of a deal if you use him correctly, and that if you're not playing about the three, I, I I am a lot less concerned. So given that they don't seem to be willing to do like they're not trying to do that a lot, I don't think. I feel better about it, and I've said as much since then. But that, that news I mean, was very. If helpful. you heard Lloyd's, you know Lloyd's podcast, uh, 
or I mean Lloyd and Zach Lowe today. I live tweeted for a while. Yeah. Um you know, he talked about having Gallo play the five. I mean, yeah. And so sure. I here's the thing about defense. We don't know what the defense is gonna look like. It's a lot of speculating. I don't know. It might work, it might not, but they're going to try it. And I, they're going, and to me, like, they're going to, those two are going to play as much as they can get away with having, because, like, really, to me, it's not Gallo and Collins that's the issue. It's Gallo and Trey Young. Yes. That's the real problem. Correct. Um, and so, but during the regular season, I think we, I think people just overhype how, you know, in tune teams are to take advantage of, you know, bad matchups or stuff like that on one hand. Then on the other, I mean, there are a lot of teams that can't take advantage of it. It also is like, as long and by as the way, I, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of what you just said 100%, and, and I, I will own that I am. Like, we, we, I mean, but I, I know what you're about to get to, but we all just go to straight to, well, it can't work in the playoffs. And it may not be know. able to, but that's fine. But <laughs> I'll just say this. I saw the Nuggets play Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. on the floor at the same time. And they beat the Clippers four games in a row. Was that right? Uh, three. Three in a row. Three, oh, three, one, three, one. Four out, of, four out of yeah, seven, three, though, at least. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, the supposed best team in the NBA. Uh, and they beat them convincingly, and it just worked because the Clippers couldn't take advantage of the supposedly defensive weaknesses of what the Nuggets had. Because again, it comes down to matchups, and like to me, there are going to be certain teams where th- those two playing together is just not going to work. But hey, guess what? As as long as you untether your brain to the idea that player X has to play X amount of minutes. Yep. It's not an issue. That's, it's that's not an such issue. a good It's point. a fake <laughs> issue. Like if I'm Lloyd Pierce, I don't give a damn how much somebody's making. Well, I and that's I don't, I don't, I don't care. Way. I don't I don't care that Gallo is a proven I love Gallo. I love Gallo as a player. But if this lineup don't work with Collins, then we're not going to do it for this game. It's also and maybe one of those. Gallo, uh, it's one of, Gallo, it's one of those things where you talk may, about maybe Collins. Maybe Collins' minutes shrink just because this matchup doesn't work for him. Well, right. That, uh, that, the, or, the only concern there, and I'm with you. Like that's what the money's for in a lot of ways, especially for Gallinari. And as long as it was communicated to him ahead of time, which it seems to be, that makes it a lot easier on all parties involved. Like that, he would have signed that deal. And granted, it was the most money he could have gotten. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very sure of that which is probably why he signed it at some level. But if he knows coming in and still signed it, and he's not a guy that's like known for being a disruptive guy. Like I talked to people that have covered him, Eric on this podcast, people seem to think Gal is a good guy and isn't going to care much about that. Um, the only problem with like what you just said about Collins is the guys who haven't gotten paid yet. But Collins is the only one that's like about to get paid and might worry. But even then, like he's going to play enough overall to get play. numbers. Like it's gonna he's be gonna fun. play his. He's gonna play the same amount of minutes he's always played. Like right. I, I he, as much as anybody is a lock to play X amount of minutes, John Collins is a fairly safe lock 
because yeah trey trey's the trey's the only like undeniable like absolute lock to play 32 plus but and, john's probably probably second i think still but even with that there are going to be games where maybe he's in foul trouble and he just plays less yeah that's the freedom that the hawks have now is that they're not tethered to one lineup has to work every night or we're screwed and but going back like gallo I think the biggest thing, this is why this is why I was like when they first signed, I was like, oh, he's gonna be great for the bench. Because they desperately just needed a focal point on that second unit when Trey Young is not on the floor. And I think that is gonna be like I think that's gonna be such a boon for this team offensively. Is hey, we got Gallo. We can we can just do so much with him at either the four or the five, depending on who we're playing. Uh and he's just gonna he's gonna open stuff up. For, for Cam Reddish, for DeAndre Hunter, for Kevin Herter, um, for Chris Dunn, for Rajon Rondo, uh, for Capella and Okongwu, who we haven't talked about um, today yet, but, but we we're will. about to. We're like, like he's just gonna and Collins too. Like, I mean that's I mean that's just the caliber of shoot and Bogdanovich. Like it's you know it's a lot of guys I'm naming, you know, and they have a lot of guys. I think. I think what the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing the Hawks came into, they saw how last season went. We're not happy with the fact that Evan Turner just like regardless of what you think about Evan Turner's backup point guard, he never. I mean, it didn't matter. He was basically never on the team. Like Evan Turner just Evan Turner just retired. Yeah, Evan Turner was hurt. Like Evan Turner was hurt the second he showed up to training camp and was basically a non a non-entity for the team. Yes. Chandler Parsons was a non-entity for the team. They signed multiple, multiple um, guys, some minimal deals just to find something to have some type of playmaking outside of Trey Young. Uh, but they weren't, they weren't good enough. They got, they, they, they banked on Evan Turner and Evan Turner kind of, I mean, he just wasn't healthy and it, they had no backup plan. And they were like, one, we're not doing that this year. We're going to have multiple guys. And because they saw what happened during the season. They saw that our young guys just our young perimeter wings who we're still, they still value, aren't good enough. And they're going to, Trey Young's career, like Trey Young is going, and he did get hurt. Like he's going to get hurt from overuse. Yeah, He's never going to play with the defensive intensity he needs to play with. If every team going into the game knows, well, if we just trap Trey Young at half court and force somebody else to make do something with the basketball, we win. Because you, you just can't nothing... win. Like you cannot win games, even when Trey is on the court. Like that's a good point that you just made about him getting trapped. But you cannot function as a competitive NBA team if you just completely fall apart whenever one guy leaves the court. Like it's just not. It's hard to overstate how bad it was. But it's not just one guy leaves the court. It's especially when Herder was hurt. When one guy doesn't have the ball when he's even in yeah. the game. If, no, you're if right. Trey Young didn't like people are like, oh, it's his Trey ball, like highest usage in the NBA they had or nobody second highest. Else. They, they literally didn't have anything. Like Herder was hurt. Herder wasn't playing. They were relying on a twenty year old Cam Reddish and a twenty one, twenty two year old DeAndre Hunter. And they weren't they just weren't good enough, and teams knew that. And, like, beyond that, on on that team last year, 
Hunter and Reddish were by far the best options. Like, people don't understand. This team had nothing. We've been saying it. You can go back to all our podcasts from last year during this pandemic. The Hawks, at any one time, only had five NBA players. Not good NBA players, but five guys who deserve to be on an NBA team. Not Not good or bad. Just literally who deserve to be in the NBA. Five guys. The rest were guys who were going out the league like Vince Carter was the sixth man. <laughs> they switched times, Vince Carter yeah. and and Jabari Parker for Danilo Gallinari. That is such a massive upgrade. It's a massive upgrade because he's a great shooter. He's a great decision maker. He can handle. He's a good role man. He can do everything. He basically does a little bit of everything on offense Yep, at a plus level. And, like, that's going to be a boom. He's one. He's one of the like. I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out the number that I want to put on it, but he's like conservatively one of the top 50 offensive players in the league. I mean, yeah, that's being conservative, and that's why probably... I said conservative. I, I, I haven't. I haven't landed on where I want to like set that number. But regardless, even if you just say top 50, you know, Trey Young is the top 10 guy on that list. John Collins is on that list. Bogdanovich is not far off if he's not on that list as well. Like. Gallinari is a hugely, I mean, for all of my concerns potentially about his defense, because it's not very good and his age and all that stuff, he's an awesome offensive player. Like, full stop. He's really, really good on offense. And so it's going to be on Lloyd to figure out lineups that will work with him on defense as well. So, like, that's going to be his challenge as a coach. But guess what? You got so many options, you get to experiment. Lloyd Pierce is an experimenter when it comes to his rotations. Like, people talk about, look, everybody's going to play. Everybody's going to get a chance, right? Early like Lloyd, on, yeah. He's going to take Lloyd, early on. Especially, Lloyd is an 11-12-man rotation dude early on until he figured out who what is and is not working. The good news is he actually had, now has 11 or 12 guys who are worthy of his of time on the basketball floor and who would actually help the team win games instead of just trying to find something. Because that, like, like, I mean, Gallo to Bogdan, like those two guys, like the Hawks just found they were like, we are not going into next season with the, it being the trade pick and roll show. Like that's not going to be our like that's not going to be the only thing we do now. We're going to diversify our offense. We're going to be less reliant on Trey Young. In turn, that could potentially make Trey Young an even more better offensive player, just based on the talent that he has around him. So like I, I was I was huge on the Gallo signing, and then. I mean, like, a, you know, y'all heard the rant, but, like, I was just dumbfounded <laughs> by by everything I heard. I'm like. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot. I, 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 I didn't I, I didn't know. I didn't like why do people people are just so people play too much 2K. People are too obsessed with building the perfect roster, the perfect roster that can that neatly fits into what we think Trey Young needs to play with, play alongside. And the, and the truth is, we kind of don't know because the Hawks haven't tried. They didn't try last year. Oh, they no. didn't try his first year. Even though his first year is found, they it was, I thought they it actually was found some success. Yeah, they, they, the, have, they just the had more guys. The players they had yeah. around him, and the difference was that that year they had much better basketball players. Around. Like they just did. Like, yeah, and, and he and he obviously wasn't as good. Like yeah. 
so it was this weird conundrum where the roster was better, but he wasn't there yet. And then last and so year, they play, last year, so he, last they year he arrived, and the roster was terrible. So like, it's they have not really seen what's going to happen there. I, I do want to make sure I ask you about the other guys. We talked about Gonari and calls on stuff. Um, I mean, we got to talk about Akongu because like, it, yeah, let's do let's do that. I've gone too long without talking about talking about <laughs> somebody who you like. Him. I said on Twitter. He might end up being the best basketball player in the draft class. You said on this podcast uh, early on that you wanted a Kongwu, pretty definitively yeah. at one point. So yeah, it was pretty. And then I went back and forth, just we all did over low. But then <laughs> when it when it came back with me, ultimately it was like I liked Halliburton. I liked I liked the Coro. You know, I liked a lot of these guys. I liked a lot of these guys, but a Kongwu is just better. He's better. Probably more talented, probably going to have a, you know, a higher chance of being, you know, an all NBA caliber basketball player compared to the contemporaries that were available at six. And so I love the fact that Schlank, even with Gallinari, Schlank looked at Gallinari in a Kongu. He said, I'm drafting, I'm signing the best talent I can get with my money. I'm drafting the best talent I can get with my pick. And I don't care. I don't care that that's not what I need. Like, I don't, I, I, you know, spending the most amount of money for a backup six-man power forward when that's our strongest position. Is it a good use of resource, you know, good allocation of the cap space resources? Who knows? I don't care. I just need the talent. This team needs more talent. I need to surround my guys. I need to surround my wings. I need to surround my star point guard. I need surround my star power forward center whatever you want to call Collins I just need to I just need more talent on this team to see what can and cannot work with my you know with 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 trying to build this roster to be in a title contender and so to me I'm like will a Kongu play or not play I don't care that much if a Kongu doesn't play it doesn't mean like doesn't play as much as his talent says he should or how good he is on the floor but he doesn't play just because there are better guys at his position or better like better he's just not ready to play or whatever reason like that doesn't bother me for this year and it absolutely shouldn't it shouldn't bother you like here's the thing about this like hawks fans are now and i i don't blame them but because they've been in this rebuild people are um at this spot where they expect a, a lottery pick to just play a ton right away because the last couple of years they've had to play. And Akongwu, I think, is honestly one of the rookies that's best suited to being a decent player right away. But on this roster, like his role, if everyone is healthy, he is a like very small usage backup center on this team. They're trying to win right now. It's not a problem. That isn't an issue. That was a long-term pick anyway. Whoever you're drafting, you're not drafting to help you as a rookie regardless. But like, if you look at the roster, if if Capella's healthy and Collins is healthy, and Gallinari is healthy, Akangwu shouldn't play a ton. Like he just shouldn't if you're trying to win. Like, I'm sorry, and I love him. I mean, I said it on draft night, I said it on the Hawk Show, I said it on this podcast. I love the pick. He was a guy that I wanted them to look at hard the whole time. But like, that doesn't mean he has to play a ton right away. He's a rookie. Rookies are bad. And that doesn't also mean that he's not going to play or that he's not going to be productive. It yeah, just he'll, means he'll play some he based on the based on the roster. Like he's probably going to be short, and that's that's where it was like, Akongu gets drafted. 
we just assume he's going to play. But it, the Hawks. But you shouldn't assume that now. When the They're Hawks traded for Clint Capella, I, it was the last thing I one of the last things I said on the last part. The die was already cast that they were trying to win as many games as possible next year. So I'm not. To me, everything that they've done has not surprised me one bit. You, you'll like, see. Is, you'll, you'll see a Kongwu play more on the nights when. It's a back-to-back and Gallo's sitting or Capella's sitting or, like, you get foul trouble. He'll still have some nights when he plays 20 minutes or more. It's going to hey, happen. That's not the end of the world. No. That doesn't mean Okongwu can no longer be an all-NBA caliber basketball player. You don't judge those guys <laughs> as rookies, and especially so when they're rookies and they're on a team that is trying to win and the guys ahead of them are good. It's not like he's not going to play. Listen, if, if Bruno Fernando is playing over a Kongwu, that's at least kind of going to, that'll be kind of concerning. Yep. Agreed. If, 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 if Capella is playing over him, that's not concerning. Like Capella is really good right now. And a grown man who's been really good in the NBA, like a Kongwu, I think again, is going to be pretty good early on for, for by rookie standards. But you know, He's like he doesn't have to come in. Your point earlier last year they had to, in all capital letters, play Hunter and Reddish a ton. They had no other options. Early in the season, those guys were not. I mean, especially you know early, early Cam was really bad. DeAndre Hunter was not really good last year, but those guys had to play this time around. DeAndre Hunter played two thousand minutes last year, Brad. I he led I he led the rookie class like, in minutes. I said this a hundred times. Like he he led the entire class in minutes last year. And it was because he had to. This year, Akongwu is, you know, charitably the fourth best big man, if you want to put that in quotes, if you include Collins, Gallinari, and Capella. Like, and that's fine. He doesn't have to play a lot. Don't judge it on that. Yeah. And don't, don't judge it on that. I mean, that's a future-facing pick all the way. And by the way, every single pick is future-facing. Every single one. But especially on a team that... We said this before the draft. You and I both said this. The only team, other, the only team other than the Hawks that was in a win now mode, drafting in the lottery, was the Warriors. The Hawks were the closest thing to the Warriors in terms of we're trying to win now. The rest of those teams were not trying to win now. Not that, only were the Hawks win now, but they also didn't have a positional need. Like, and no. I think that's something we talked about. Like, they didn't have this glaring hole in their roster. They just no. needed more talent. They and need, so they I'm need like, more talent, and and it's also really easy. In a good way, I would say it's easy to draft if your only concern is I'm taking the guy that I think is the best player. And that's what I, I mean, by all accounts, the way that you take a Kong Wu there at six for the Hawks is to look at your board and say he's the best player available because there was not a single guy on the board that was a quote unquote bad enough fit for the Hawks to cross off. Like, and for me, the top two guys available when they picked were Akongwu and Killian Hayes. Akongwu went six, Hayes went seven. And like, that's totally cool. Just take the best player. And if he doesn't play a lot, that's fine. Like, it's it's a pick for three years, in, uh, three years from now. Exactly. It's a pick from three years from now when you probably don't want to pay Capella. Like, it's it's a future-facing move from where now I'm like... Because I'm going to... I'm tentatively assuming the Hawks... Because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming... To me, Brad... What I was assuming is that the whole time was like, this is the type of big man I'd want to pair John Collins with. Yes. Somebody and, big, and Trey physical. With. Yeah, exactly. A guy who can clean up mistakes, big physical. 
and can box, you know, bigger guys, can switch on the other guys, just, you know, just be that all caliber defender. And I and I think he has that level outside because he's got the quick twitch. He's got good wingspan. It's not great, but it's good combined with his athleticism and quickness. And to me, I'm like, uh, a front court, a future front court of Collins in a Congo is going to be problems for a lot of NBA teams, especially if he can develop his offensive game to be more than just a dump off man. Cause that's what he is on offense. Ultimately is he's just, he's a great finisher, but that's kind of all he does. And like, I have no problem with the Hawks being like, all right, you're going to be in the lab. We're going to work on your jumper. We're going to work on your ball skills. You're going to work on, you know, you're going to watch a lot of film. That's why we got Rondo here. And like, you might not play a lot, but you got to be ready. Cause things happen in the NBA. Guys get hurt for extended stretches all the time, and you need to be ready. Especially this year. To, like, yeah, to take advantage of your opportunity. Take advantage of your opportunity. So, like, I feel like, one, I feel like Akonwu is going to play plenty. Like, I, I'm I'm not worried about his, ultimately, how much he's going to play. Like, there's He will not play as much as Hunter did last year. That's, that's, that's about exactly. the only, the only thing, just, the only thing just, that I'll say. He's not going he's not gonna, he's not gonna to play as much as the rookies have played for the Hawks these last three years, but he's going to play plenty for teams that I think is going to be pretty good. Agreed. Uh, and, Agreed. you know, I, like I guess pick. we can... I like yeah. to pick a lot. Um, Alright, before we go to part two, uh, let's spend a couple minutes now on Bogdanovich, because we can save Rondo and Dunn for part two as part of the rotation, how it's going to look. Those are obviously a little bit smaller moves. But Bogdanovich, uh, you know, four-year investment, player option. They, they spent a bunch of money on him. He's a good player. Um, there was obviously some drama there as to whether they were going to get him or not, the whole Bucks thing, etc. But, I mean, where are you on that move? Like, obviously, we, we discussed multiple times on this podcast and offline that they needed a wing and a, and a creator and he fits both those things, and he can shoot. So, on paper, it's a pretty good fit. It's a lot of money, but like he's he's just a good player. Um, I think I think Bogdan is going to be really good in Atlanta. Like I think he's going to be a lot better. Thing. Like I think that eighteen million is going to look like a bargain. Uh, just based on everything that he can do on the basketball floor and the composition of the Hawks team in particular. He's going to have spacing. He's going to be playing alongside Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella, Danilo Gallinari, plus, you know, plus finishers, play finishers. Like, he's playing alongside plus play finishers to go with his high-level shooting. Like, I, you know, it's fairly – would you call Bogdan an elite shooter based – I mean, based on the amount of attempts he gets up? I probably wouldn't and use that. I probably wouldn't use that word, but he's close. a he's it's a good close. shooter. He's, I mean, he's, he's he's on the edge. like he's on that good. But I, well, like la- okay, me, I'll say this: last year, if you're only looking at last season, I think you could probably use that word because he upped his attempt rate. He took 12 per 100 possessions last year, which is a that's a lot of threes. That's really big volume, and shot 37. percent If you tell me that that's his baseline and that's what you can assume then it starts to get towards the elite category because people always underrate volume, but that's a ton of threes, and that's what you want. You want a guy who who can get them up and will make them. It's something that we talked about with Trey Young a ton. Like, Trey's not going to shoot 40% from three because he's taken so many and so di- so many difficult ones. And that's obviously, one of, that, he's not going to shoot I get something for part two. I yeah. I something for part two. But, yeah, uh, but Bogdanovich yeah. is not like going to shoot that many, but 12 per game, I mean, 12 per 100 possessions last year and 37%, 
is a heck of a shooting performance, and he's a career 37% shooter from three. Like, I don't know if he's, like, an absolute elite shooter. Like, he's not quite, like, Dallas Pertans, but, like, he's a really good shooter who can also do a lot more than shoot. Yeah, and I think, like, to me, I think going in, Bogdan is the quote-unquote backup point guard. I know I know they got Rondo, but I think I think when um, – like I think Bogdan's going to be doing a lot with the ball in his hands. Well, I, I mean, he's the my, my clear is, number two. Yeah, he's the clear number two playmaker on the team. Like I, I agree with and that. I, and I think, and I think him playing with, it's not like the Kings were bad. Like I'm not, no. I'm not saying that, but I just feel like in Atlanta, where he gets to play with other plus plus shooting, um, and, and also plus finishing with what his skill set is because he's got a handle. The only thing he doesn't do offensively is get to the free throw line. Uh, everything else he does at a, you know, he's kind of like, he's kind of like, you know, kind of similar to Gallo in the sense that he does a lot of things well, but he's, but he can also run, he can run your offense. And like, he also has experience playing with a point guard that's the best player. Like De'Aaron Fox is the best player on the Kings and he just played very well with De'Aaron Fox, both on both when Fox is on the court and off the court, which is kind of what you're looking for in Atlanta. Like I, I've said before, and what do you think about this? I, I think that either Gallinari or Bogdanovich is going to be the primary initiator on the second unit. And people 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 talk about Rondo and I get it. Like if Rondo's on, if Rondo's on the court, Rondo's going to have the ball because he I mean if he's if he's playing he kind of has to have the ball. But I, I'm I still think that you really build your second unit offense around either Bogdanovich or Gallinari or both and have those guys cook when Trey's off the court, because that's part of the utility of having those guys on the roster. Like, yeah. And one, like, I I feel like the issue with the offense just going into the gutter shouldn't be a problem. But furthermore, I like, I really love the fit with him and Trey. Like, I, I think if for no other reason, Finally, Trey Young plays with a guy who is also good with the basketball in his hands, who can also do real damage just, you know, going off script and finding the creases in the lanes that Trey Young can also find. Um, and that's why I'm like, I think Bogdan's going to be empowered a bit more here in Atlanta in the sense that he, he chose Atlanta. Like he he wanted to come here, Brad. Oh I, yeah, he could he could have there, gone no, a lot of places. Like, there's a lot of places Bogdan could have went. Bogdan Bogdan had the pick of the litter. He chose to come to Atlanta because he believes in the talent on the roster, and he also believes that here he'll get to play to what he does a bit more in Serbia, where he's kind of the guy, right? Like he, on a Serbian national team, he kind of is the he's the man, like him and Jokic. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think coming into Atlanta, he gets to play. He gets to he gets to play the, you know, instead of just being quote unquote a role player, w- what he was more or less using Sacramento. He's going to be opened up to be kind of the you know the number two playmaker alongside. Now, what does that mean for his raw, you know, assist points, rebound? All, I don't know. I don't know. I we got to see it on the floor. But I, but I do I do feel that. Him and Trey is going to do some real damage for teams, um, and also I—he's also sneakily an upgrade on defense 
from Kevin Herter. That, that's and a point I, I, I made as well. Think, I think I that he's not I a great defender, it's, but uh, it's even questionable. He I is, mean, but he is better. He is better than Herter defensively. I, like I like him. I like him a lot more in Atlanta. I, 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 I'd, I'd like to see how well he does defensively in Atlanta when he's not being asked to be the primary, the, the team's best wing defender. Because kind, that's kind of what they were doing in Sacramento when he was when he was starting at the three or coming off the bench where he's... Well, if you're pairing him with Buddy Heal, that's not going to work. And that's not what's happening Exactly. Here. Like, the, on, the only not. way that I'd be worried about Bogdanovich defensively is if you're playing him with Trey and Herter or Trey yeah. and Rondo or something like that. If you have Reddish or Dunn or even Hunter on the court, like, I'm not worried about Bogdanovich's defense. He's fine. He's not good, but he's not bad either. Like, he's strong. He competes. He's strong and he's a good steals guy. And I think that's something... I think the Hawks steal rate is going to be something to mark. This is to me, I, I, I don't know, Brad. I, I find a lot of upside in what the Hawks have done defensively this offseason. I, I just feel like they have a lot of defensive talent on the roster that's being discredited. I can't wait. To, I can't wait. I can't wait to dive into it because I, I mean we're, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about it later. You're, but high, like, you're higher on it than I am, but I also think you're also right in that. They have gotten better defensively, and no one is talking about that. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. We, we can stick stick with. Uh, <laughs> well, stick I mean, with honestly, Bogdan, we, we can. Uh, yeah, we, we can finish up Bogdan, and then we'll, then we'll go to part two, and we'll start diving on all the uh, all the machinations. Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess the last thing with Bogdan, I, I I really do feel like there's a lot more juice to be squeezed from him um, as a basketball player in the NBA. Like, I think, I I really think there's he's a lot more talented. And he's a lot like he's just he's a really good basketball player. It hasn't shown up um, because I, like in Sacramento, they just didn't have the pl- they could never put lineups together that combined plus shooting with solid defense. And I feel like here in Atlanta, you have a bit more balance, and he's gonna re- like he's really gonna excel playing alongside John Collins. Like I think. He, John Collins and Clint Capella, like him pick and roll with Collins and Capella with uh, Bogdan running it is going to do some real damage. Um, And that's just something the Hawks haven't had. Like the Hawks haven't had somebody like this outside of Trey Young. It's just been Trey. Now you got two guys who can do it combined with you're going to get a bit more. You're going to get a lot more spot up three pointers for Trey Young. And I think that's probably the biggest weapon the Hawks the biggest upgrade the Hawks have done is that Trey Young is going to shoot just due to the inertia of the team, just based on the roster that they have, the playmakers from Gallo to Bogdan to Rondo to, I mean, even the guys that got on the team now, Herter, uh, Collins a bit, he, he Collins a bit better than what, what I, I feel like Collins has a bit more playmaking that he hasn't shown. Um, Like, I feel like the, like this team's going to move the ball a lot more. It's going to be less, just the one four one five pick and rolls is going to be a lot more diversity just because you got another guy who can do something and do real damage with the ball in hand, especially if they get mismatches. Like they're gonna they're gonna punish switches. They're gonna punish guys who who don't you know come out punish bigs who don't come out to the shooters on pick and rolls. They're gonna punish like you're gonna see Bogdan coming off screen. You might see a bit Trey, you know, setting doing just just doing more off the ball. And causing damage that way because he was like it's Trey Young was either the I think he was the best 
on a per possession basis, spot up shooter in the NBA last year, and he's consistently been that good. Uh, even his uh, rookie year in Atlanta, he was really good. Like he was elite at spot up shooting. And I think now that he, now that you have somebody who can consistently get him the ball when he's open for the for those spot up shots, you're gonna see a bit more from Trey off the ball. Not not the Steph Curry, not the no, and maybe not even what Kyle Lowry does because just how gifted Trey is on the ball. But you're gonna see just more more often that five percent increase. And that's going to be the difference. Like that's going to be the difference from the Hawks being okay. They're good with Trey on the floor to potentially one of the best offenses in the NBA, possibly the best. Um, so possibly like, the best. Lot, I, I love that. I love that. I love that. I mean, uh, right? There's just a lot. There's just a lot of options now. Like there's a, offensively, there's just a lot of things they have versus they can attack teams in different ways and get quality looks instead of just the one way instead of just the one thing they can do yeah they are they are much more multifaceted now in basically every way because of that depth and the, and the talent they have that's a good place to end i think for now um if you're listening to this i would encourage you to click over to part two which should be in your feed at the same time as part one so that is now available tyler and i will be back uh, momentarily so stay tuned subscribe to the podcast and flip it over to part two